Welcome to Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. However, I believe there is a more immediate threat. Thousands and thousands of feet of film consumed. Hours and hours of work expended by technicians. And once it's been erased and shredded, it can be done all over again. As all of you know, I've devoted much of my life to convincing the world that travel through film was not only possible, but necessary to survive. Take me out to the podcast. Take me out to the pod. Welcome to the Triple Threat Theater Podcast. This is episode number 83, and my name is Ryan Miller. And I'm Joe Daxberger. A.K.A. The Great Dax Bino. Oh, get your baseball movies here. <sighs> yeah, Baseball Furies. I believe this was uh, your your theme that you came up with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell the people what they're in for. Well, sir, we've got uh, three baseball comedies, I think you could say. Uh, mm-hmm. From 1976, we have the original Bad News Bears. From 1989, we have the original Major League. And from 1993, we have the original Sandlot. Nice. <laughs> I don't feel like we've spanned three decades like this in quite a while, if ever. I'm sure we have at some point, but... Uh... I'm sure we have. Again, that's why we need an intern to do these, like, kind of uh, episode facts, rather than that us try to figure that out in any way. What's but... Megan doing on the weekends? You know, <laughs> she'd probably be game for that, actually. Maybe. <laughs> it's a lot of... I don't know if I would, that's what I mean. I might just have to have an unpaid intern. There's no choice, but they need like, <laughs> like college credit. I it's unpaid now. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> it's an intern, Milsley. I'm not giving them a dime. Uh, so, baseball. Milsley, let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. What is your favorite thing about baseball? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the sandlot. Ah. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure I've seen you in a Little League outfit via photo before. That's possible. Uh, I did play Little League since, I mean, I I don't remember how I began playing Little League, but I played for many years until Mm -hmm. at least sometime in middle school. Okay. And I never really liked it to my recollection. I was never really interested in it. Uh, I would like every time there was a game, I would like dread having to put on the cleats <laughs> and the the oh. uniform and then just go like sit in the dugout. And I wasn't I wasn't like into it, really. I feel like I didn't try all that hard. What and, position did you play? Uh, outfield. <laughs> mm. OK. And um, I don't have like many if any particularly fond memories of it you know one or two of my friends over the years were on the team with me but uh and i i do have i don't have a distinct memory of how it began like when i was first signed up for it or whatever uh but i do have a distinct memory of when i stopped playing oh go on and i don't know exactly what year it was but like i said probably in middle school sometime uh or maybe it might have been, I don't know. I don't know exactly how old I was, but I remember it was like my mother came to me and was like, um, 
uh, signups for like little league or whatever for baseball uh, ends in like a week or something. Um, do you want to play? And I remember having this moment of realization of, I don't think I've ever been asked that before. <laughs> I don't have to play. No, I don't want to play. And then I didn't, we didn't sign me up that year. And that was it. Man. It's like, I must've started they My parents must've started me playing when I was so young that like, I never questioned. It was just every year I played. And then, yeah, at one point I had this realization of like, I don't have to do this. I don't have to put on the uncomfortable outfit and go out in the heat anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the end of it. Do you remember what team you played for or teams? Uh, it was the Union Bridge team, the tiny ass little town that I live in. But uh, I don't even remember if we had like an like, you know, the Marlins or something. I, I don't. Oh, I don't remember if there was like I remember what the logo <laughs> looked like on the uniform. It was a gray uniform with like a blue logo, like Union Bridge kind of in cursive with like a blue swoop under it. I wish I only hope out out in the sticks near the concrete factory. It's the Union Bridge Marlins. <laughs> but oh, yeah, I I just I don't have just the idea of going out and practicing, and I just uh, having no interest in it. Like mm-hmm. I've never been into sports of any kind. Mm-hmm. Having no interest in it just made it a dreadful experience for me, and I did it for many years. I, I mean, Amazing, because you didn't. You were. Devoid of choice. As far until as I one knew, day. like yeah, like I said, it's like I'd always done it, so I it just felt like an, a part of my life and an obligation or something. But mm-hmm. yeah, I really I remember that feeling the first time being like, holy shit, <laughs> I can say no. <laughs> it's like when everything changed for you. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Baseball. Fantastic. Yeah, um, played a lot of baseball growing up. We, uh, as you know, I'm one of three brothers, mm-hmm. and I think at all times I was in the same team, league, whatever, whatever sport we could have been doing. Started with soccer. Uh, played baseball for quite a bit. I'd say like the t-ball years, kindergarten up through. I'm gonna guess fourth grade, only because I started playing basketball in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And I never did like multiple sports. I think at that point I was just like more into basketball. So I started playing that fifth grade and I did. So quite a few years of baseball. I don't know if every time I was on a team with my, my brother, that's the one that's two years older than me or not. But we're definitely in the same league as part of Brockton. It was the Raymond League because it was the Raymond School. Uh, fun fact, a uh, friend of the show, Joel Olar lived in that area so we certainly have determined that we had to have played either against each other or possibly on the same team because he would have been <laughs> in that league at the same time oh there's no like um, team photos where you can uh determine this i don't know if either of us have those it could be kicking around somewhere in the daxberger archives <laughs> so yeah a lot of baseball then i went to basketball and then i played baseball again just my freshman year of high school was lousy, stopped, and then <laughs> I played football in high school too. So, mm. but yeah, baseball kind of family. I've always enjoyed it. You know, went to plenty of Red Sox games over the years, um, and uh, and frequently watched all three of these movies mm. many many times over. Uh, I've seen The Sandlot many times. I've loved that mm-hmm. since I was a kid. Uh, yep. 
I've seen the Bad News Bears once before, I think, a feature, as a featured review for the Sidetracks podcast when Jesse and I were doing that show. Mm-hmm. And much to the chagrin of uh, your friend and mine, Brian Weiner, uh, mm-hmm. never seen Major League until now. <laughs> mm. Yep, that's... Uh... I feel like he's been wanting me to watch and maybe trying to get me to watch for many years that movie. I'm sure over the years of our friendship, we've, myself, Joel, and Brian have had many a conversation about Major League, and I'm sure peppered you with just went over insults my head for not in seeing my, it. In yeah. one ear and out the other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or just told you repeatedly you need to watch it, fully knowing that the last thing you want any involvement is, is sports. <laughs> so... I mean, I've never been opposed to sports movies. I've always said that, like, if you can take, like, the dramatic or, you know, the interesting things about sports and condense it down into a two-hour movie, Mm -hmm. uh, that can be, it can be very good. And there are many instances of it being very good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there are movies I haven't seen, and this is just one that I didn't get around to until now. Mm -hmm. All right. Look at that. Good thing we have a podcast. (laughs) So you still a, uh, do do you follow the game? Um, not that much. I try to. I like to watch baseball. Some people find it to be boring, blah, blah, blah. Some people just don't like to watch sports. I like watching sports, but I'm not uh, a real diehard about it just because of the time commitment. You know, like I I probably at this point in the game, I like watching hockey the most and try to watch. I'll watch some games throughout the year and then I really try to or really just even get into like playoffs for all sports more than anything. Mm. It's just once it's the stakes are higher is when it just, it ramps up for me. Um, so besides basketball, basketball is one of the ones I probably like, like to play the most, but watch the least. I can't stand watching basketball. Mm. Anything that you could score a hundred points and just doesn't seem like <laughs> a good time to me. <laughs> yeah. I actually really like soccer. I've gotten soccer in the last, uh, the last few rounds of the World Cup, so that's a good one because you can score. They can score so little, <laughs> you know. Same with hockey. So, so the lower the score, you the more you like the game. It's, it kind of looks that way, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, that's there's plenty of excitement. There's, you know, and I like baseball. Baseball is unlike everything else in that, you know, you're not trying to put a ball, puck, whatever, into a goal or a basketball into a hoop. Or football into an end zone. You know, it's like baseball is just this other thing that I've always just kind of enjoyed watching. So not enough to watch every game or gamble on it or follow teams really or know who's on what team at any time. But I do like the thrill of the game, Milzy. Mm. I get no thrills from these games. Mm. Well, you get thrills from movies, so we should dive right the hell in. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, so from 1976, we have our first film, The Bad News Bears. Hey, Engelbert. What? There's chocolate all over this ball. Look, Mr. Buttermaker, quit bugging me about my food. People are always bugging me about it. My shrink says that's why I'm so fat. So you're not doing me any good, so let's quit it. Okay, okay, okay. All right, look alive. Let's get one. Are you ready? Let's get one out there. Engelberg? What? That is a bunt. B-U-N-T. The catcher is supposed to pick up the bunt and throw it to first base. Well, how is that supposed to know? You make sure the big deal yelling after them. Diversionary tactic, Engelberg. Now get the ball. Why are you always picking on me? What did I do to you? Engelberg! 
Mills. Yeah. Can I say that? You can say whatever you would like. There is, to me, I've seen this movie so many times, like pretty much like ingrained into, you know, seared into my skull, this movie, because I've seen it so many times. But it's been like many moons since my last viewing. And after watching, I will say, I don't think there's any place in the history of the universe quite like a kid's baseball field in the 70s. In what way? Uh, You know, just the... Casual racism? Ca- very casual racism, constant vulgarity. Flowing uh, be- booze? Beer drinking. Without anyone batting eye, coach, parent, anything else. I was taken aback. <laughs> I was like, whoa. I was like, so much of this movie is like, again, just like seared into my memory. That just like came, so much of it came all like flooding back. Certain bits from the plot and everything. But then just to see, just, yeah, some of the dialogue, stuff they got these kids saying, and all the, I mean, I remembered Walter Matthau being a drunk, but when, like, you know, he's busting out beers for all the kids at the end and the parents are there <laughs> and no one's bad. And I am just like, man, what a time, Millsy. What the swinging time. 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Like, uh, this movie eventually got remade with um, Billy Bob Billy Thornton Bob. in the Walter Matthau role. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Billy Bob Thornton had this period of his career in, like, the 2000s where he did, like, Bad Santa and this. And there was a, a movie where he played a high school, like, gym teacher that was a real piece of shit, too. I think Mr. Woodcock is the name of it. And I think oof, Brian and I might have seen that in the theater. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel like he had this shtick for a while where it was like, oh, we'll just put him around like children and make him be a real <laughs> shitbag. Uh-huh. And it was this weird, like, we're pushing the boundaries for comedy kind of thing at the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, it's interesting that he eventually remade this movie because that's kind of what this is. But it's it's almost like the Walter Matthau version... He can be a little bit abrasive, but it's more like he just doesn't care. So it's like, it's not, it's not like they, the Billy Bob Thornton version. I haven't seen the remake, but I'm thinking of stuff like Bad Santa, where he's just like an abrasive asshole. Yeah. And this is a horrible person. Yeah. This is more just like uh, the guy who doesn't care. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of funnier that he's just (laughs) doesn't give a shit. (laughs) Right. It's just like the pool guy that also got paid to be a minor uh little league coach mm-hmm. i you know i'm sure it went over my head as a kid but apparently you know part of the plot of this is that one one nameless dad sued the little league <laughs> so that they could add another team of kids yeah I, I don't fully get the reason there but like i guess it, that district or something like his he wanted his son to play but there was no yeah. team there or something something they don't really get into it but so it was kind of like Almost blinking, you missed it kind of part where it comes up. But yeah. I, go. I guess premise for anybody who doesn't know is, like you said, this dad who's like a city councilman and a lawyer, he like sues the Little League so that they can have a team. But then it's like the season's just about to begin, so they need someone to run it fast. And like he cares enough to sue because he's a lawyer, but he doesn't care enough to like coach the team or anything himself. So he pays a, f- a washed up former baseball pro 
named Morris Buttermaker, <laughs> played by mm-hmm. Walter Matthau, to coach the team. And he really doesn't care, and he's just doing it for the money. And it's basically that lawyer's kid and then, like, just a bunch of other, like, random mangy kids. <laughs> And they don't really know how to play and, you know, they... Yeah, they're all awful. Yeah, and and so, of course, you know, the kids want to win. The coach kind of sucks, but he ends up, like, you know, befriending the kids and actually trying. And then, of course, takes it too far and he's, like, you know, kind of cheating and whatnot to win and trying to force the Mm -hmm. kids to get hit by balls so they get Mm -hmm. walked to first base and stuff. And it's like, he, he goes too far, then he has to reel it back in and realize, no, this is all just supposed to be for fun. Right. But with just a lot of uh, weird insensitivity and yeah. stuff that's cringy in the modern day in the mix. Yeah. Tonally, the movie's like kind of crazy, because as I'm watching it, I'm almost like, this is a comedy. And I can even, re- like, I can remember, like, the child abuse scenes and stuff, <laughs> like, just, you know, all that. And I'm just like... I'm watching it and I'm like, I know this is a comedy, but like, who is this for? Who was this for exactly in the 70s? Like, adults or kids? Like, you know, part of me thinks adults more than even kids just because of the how it was. But then I was like, that's also the 70s. So just like tonally, I can even just it, it gave me like a certain feeling watching it, like growing up and now rewatching it. Of just it's just the tone of it is so kind of odd to me. Yeah, it's not like a feel good, happy movie. No, not really, but you know it's enjoyable in its way. Uh, oh, of course, I mean I'm not even saying that. I just mean like the again, it's just like to me, it's the tone of it. It just feels like a like I know it is a comedy, but then it's also like you know, it's pretty like hard. You know, it's rough around the edges. And yeah, just... it. Uh, this is only again my second time seeing it, and it just it feels to me like it's just a comedy of that era where I've tried to put it into words before and never been really able to figure out how to put it, but it's just a lot of comedies I've seen that are like pre 1980. They just have this like lackadaisical vibe to them where it Mm -hmm. feels like someone had a premise, like this washed up guy who has no right being around children is coaching a team of misfits like that's your pitch somebody approves it and then less than like a script with a plot it's just like a hour and a half long montage of like what could possibly happen in a movie with the premise that we have mm. like we'll have a fat kid and he'll be eating constantly so we'll do like three or four scenes of that and you know we'll have the one black kid on the team and you know he looks up to a certain baseball player and we'll reference that a few times. And like, it, it feels like it doesn't have a ton of plot flow. It's just every now and then they, it feels like they're catching you up on like, this is where we're at. We've been winning now. And now the coach has gone too far. Uh I just feel like a lot of older comedies feel like that. They just feel like a premise with like a montage of like people spitballing ideas off of that premise. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then, yeah, really just what progresses is just this the baseball season. So, yeah, it's like it's not like uh, high and tight with the script. You know, yeah, it does feel like pretty loose with the 
the story overall. So that 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 does make sense to me. Yeah. And you know, there's little bits of character progression, like Morris learns to care by the end. <laughs> you know, throughout the movie, because I didn't like look or check this at all since watching it again but like every time someone said his name like they purposely <laughs> said like, it wrong in the movie said it wrong yeah. to the point where i'm like i'm not even sure what his actual character's name is because i feel like every time i like did a double take of what did they just say and i was like one of these people should know his actual name but i don't even know his actual name yeah so it's it is funny. butter it is buttermaker but i mean yeah. he gets boilermaker quite a bit I've already uh, referred to him a couple times as Morris just in this conversation, but I did read a uh, uh, anecdote or a factoid that said that in the movie, no one ever refers to him by his first name. He's credited in the credits as Morris Buttermaker, but everyone always refers to him as Buttermaker or some kind of bastardized version of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That is uh, on point. <laughs> Of note, we've got uh, young Jack Earl Haley in this as like the bad yeah. boy late addition young to the team. Rorschach. Of course, I didn't remember that. As soon as I saw him in the movie, I said, that's fucking Rorschach, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's him. That was wild. Yeah, it's interesting. He had like kind of an early career of, you know, I presumably starting off with this and then like a couple other youthful teen kind of movies breaking away and losing it. And then he did like a couple of like kind of lower budget sci-fi horror things like Dollman, Nemesis, and Maniac Cop Three: Badge of Silence. Oh. And then he disappeared for like all of the '90s. I feel in the early 2000s before all of a sudden he he hit the mainstream again with Watchmen. Not not to say that these are good, but these are like big movies that all of a sudden he started appearing in mm-hmm. Watchmen. The Nightmare on Elm Street remake in 2010, Dark Shadows, Lincoln, RoboCop remake in 2014, The Dark Tower, and Alita Battle Angel. Like, that's a hell of a lineup for a guy that just, yeah. like, disappeared for a decade. Yeah. I think he's great as Rorschach, regardless of what people think of the movie, and that uh, that Nightmare on Elm Street remake was awful. Yeah, that was awful. So was RoboCop. <laughs> yeah, RoboCop was terrible. Uh, Dark Tower was also a piece of shit. I didn't see that. I don't even remember him being in Battle Angel. I do like that movie. I believe he's one of the like cyborg guys. He's probably mostly CG, like the big villain characters mm-hmm. with like you know whip fingers or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Anyone that's seen that movie knows exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah, and then um, I I don't ha- I'm not super familiar with Tatum O'Neill. She plays. The girl who's the pitcher who joins the team. Yep. Uh, She, uh, I found out her debut film when she was like, I think she was 10 years old, was a movie called Paper Moon, which I've heard the name of. I've never seen. I don't even really know what it's about. But she won the Best Supporting Actress Oscar at 10 years old for that movie. Pretty wild. So, you know, I remember her from this movie. As soon as she showed up, I was like, oh, yes. And I actually like her quite a bit in the movie. I think she's really good. And Tatum O'Neill's like a name I know, but did not know why. Yep. So I did like check after the fact and saw that same anecdote. I mean, she's got like top billing with Walter Matthau on the poster, too, of course, because this is what a year or two after that uh, her nomination. So, yeah. Uh, Walter Matthau got paid $750,000 for this movie. And I think I read that he got like. 10% of the box office or something like that, too. Mm -hmm. And then Tatum O'Neill, 
Like she's by the time she makes this, she's probably like 13 or 14 years old or something. She got 350,000 and also mm. a percentage of the take. I don't know what, wow. but I read uh, I read it rumored that it was like 1.9 million. What kind of numbers did this movie do, Millsy? Uh budget was 9 million, box office was 42.3. Work. So if that ten percent thing with Walter Matthau is true, uh, can, including his uh, like salary for the film, he made like close to five grand or five million, yeah, and then that's pretty good. Yeah, Tatum O'Neill allegedly made about two million for it, which is pretty wild. It's a lot of scratch for nineteen seventy six. Yeah, but then she went on to like her list of credits isn't huge. It's maybe like twenty films. Most of them I've only heard of or I'm kind of unfamiliar with. The one that jumped out at me was uh, kind of like a forgotten, like late 80s, early 90s, uh, like two badass women on the run movie called Certain Fury that I've seen. I have a Blu-ray copy oh. of. Okay. But yeah, the majority of the rest of her stuff I didn't really know. So it's like it feels like she was kind of big in the beginning and then uh-huh. maybe fell off a little bit. But A little bit. But yeah, it's, this is a. Big movie for them both. Yeah, most I mean, of the other kids didn't really go on to much uh, after this, but the uh, the coach of the Yankees team in this, like the rival team, is mm-hmm. Vic Morrow, who uh, he was in um, Humanoids from the Deep, which is a name I know you'll recognize. Of course. Uh, 1990 Bronx Warriors. Holla. And he's also the guy who died in the helicopter accident filming Twilight Zone, the movie. No. Yeah. No shit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Jeez, that's pretty wild. And uh, also, fun fact about this one, uh, written by Bill Lancaster, who also wrote John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh. He pretty much that. only wrote this movie, its sequel, and The Thing. Jesus. But he was really? he was the son of Burt Lancaster, who's like a Western mm. actor. Pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Well, Millsy, what did you think of the Bad News Bears? Uh, I like it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah, like you said, it's not high and tight. <laughs> uh, it did mm-hmm. make me laugh a few times. Um, I'm not, like, a super fan of the movie. I mean, Walter Matthau is just, like, captivating to watch. He's really fun and funny. Yeah. I wasn't like super into any of the kids in particular, but uh, you know they were okay. Um, yeah, it's just it's like an easy watch, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> stakes aren't super high. I think it's entertaining. It would be for everybody, I think. Um, maybe then or now, but I think it's entertaining. Kind of like you said, like most of the kids, they're pretty much like one note characters, so there's not much there. But I do really like. Walter Matthau and Tatum O'Neill mm-hmm. just separately and together. I think like they they carry it and you know she does they both do all the heavy lifting. But um I actually think that their relationship is pretty interesting in the movie. It feels like this is a sequel to another film we haven't seen. Because like he goes to her, like speci- when he has to coach this team. He specifically goes to her, and through conversation, you learn that he was dating her mother. Like, it's never insinuated mm-hmm. he's her birth father, but, like, he was obviously a father figure for a while and yep. ended up leaving, and she felt, like, abandoned by him. Mm-hmm. But he, like, 
taught her how to play baseball and like she's really good at it for her age but now that he's gone she's kind of like in a rebellious way like well now i don't want to be interested in all the things that he like he tried to get me into these tomboy things and now she wants to be a model and she's worried about like her burgeoning womanhood and and then like the arguments and stuff they get in throughout the movie and there's one part where like she like while they're winning and uh like the kind of the winning streak has gone to his head and now all he gives a shit about is winning and not the kids and she mm-hmm. comes to him and is like hey maybe after the season is over we can like you know catch a movie or whatever and then he like brushes her off and then she's getting desperate and she's like i could i could come and help you clean pools like you you uh, you know you could do less work and i'd be around and he just tells her flat out like look i don't want to hang out with you (laughs) and but there's there's something there that i kind of wish got explored more Mm -hmm. like i kind of like that was just i wouldn't even call that a subplot it's just like an element of the movie i kind of wish that there was a subplot where we learned a little more about that yeah because i i'm not even exactly sure what time point in the runtime she shows up but um, yeah, if there was more time, maybe a little d- devoted to that, just because I think the stuff with them is so good together. Yeah, but it's just interesting. It it like I said, it feels like there's deleted scenes or like pages from the script that got scrapped or something that we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Like that feels like part of a much more fleshed out story. It doesn't feel like something that someone just threw in there for the hell yeah. of it. I don't know. Yeah, because there's they don't really like. Uh... It's never so much about like coming to terms with him leaving her or anything like that. There's definitely, I feel like, you know, bits of that story that they are missing that they could have uh, flushed out. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I think the biggest laugh in the movie for me is pretty early. Uh, they're all in uh, Walter Matthau's car and they're driving somewhere. And yeah. uh, the you know, token fat kid who plays catcher on the team. Um, what's his name? Uh, Engelberg. <laughs> he's yep. in the passenger seat and he's just like rifling around the car and he pulls out like a half empty liquor bottle out of like the glove box or something. And he holds uh-huh. it up to uh, Walter Matthau and he's like, uh, this is, there's a open liquor bottle in the car. Don't you know that that's illegal? And Walter Matthau like takes it from him, I think, and says, uh, So's murder, Engelbert. Now leave me alone. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> oh, That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That really, that I don't know, caught me by surprise. Gave me a big laugh. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. All those just little, like, throwaway lines. Like, that I would almost believe was, uh, like, uh, ad-libbed by Walter Matthau. Mm-hmm. That's just, like, how right. natural he is at this kind of, like, yeah, yeah, jerky character. Yeah. He, like, makes the movie for sure, which I haven't seen the remake either, which I feel like they, they would have to put so much on the shoulders of the coach. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think Walter Matthau is just, like, fun to watch. I don't, couldn't even tell you exactly what I've seen of his besides this so many times. But There's a ton of, like, classic stuff that I really ought to see, but he's great in um, The Taking of Pelham 123, the original. Mm. Uh, he's great in a kind of forgotten like a pseudo noir movie called Charlie Varick. Um, And then like when I was a kid, I mostly knew him growing up for grumpy old men and uh, playing Mr. Wilson in the Dennis, the menace live action movie. Oh, geez. But I mean, 
I, he's great in those kind of roles too, you know. Yeah. No, Not to speak of the quality so. of those because I haven't seen them in so long. Yeah. But he plays like a believable pool guy, drunk little league coach. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get off of this movie, let's really quickly talk sequels, spinoffs, and remakes. Oh, please. Because there's a couple. Of <laughs> Hit it. So this came out in 76. The following year, they really used to crank stuff out back in the day. Like if something was a hit, a mm-hmm. calendar year later, the sequel would be out. It's like they didn't want people to forget that the franchise existed uh, before the internet. <laughs> mm-hmm. So 1977, we have The Bad News Bears and Breaking Training. Walter Matthau did not come back. Um, Jackie Earl Haley did, and it sounds like he's kind of the co-lead of the movie. A lot of the kids came back, but again, most of them aren't like noteworthy, memorable actors. They did this and little else. Uh The premise is like uh, following their winning season, they're in some kind of championship where if they win, that'll earn them a trip to Japan to play in like the Japanese oh, leagues because baseball's big over there. Uh-huh. And so they don't have a coach. And so Jackie Earl Haley's dad, played by William Devane, who is in Rolling Thunder, among other things, uh, he plays the new coach. Okay. Then in the following year, 1978, we had the Bad News Bears go to Japan. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, so once again, William Devane this time did not come back. Uh, Jack Earl Haley did. And uh, he's like the star of the franchise at this point, I think. Mm-hmm. So in this one, Tony Curtis, who you may remember from such films as The Manitow. <laughs> <laughs> or everybody else in the world would know him from Some Like It Hot. He plays a hustler who chaperones the team to Japan. And then like Jack Earl Haley falls in love with a Japanese girl or something. Jeez. Okay. And then from 1979 to 1980, there were two seasons, 26 total episodes of a Bad News Bears television series on CBS. Mm-hmm. Jack Warden, who played juror number seven in 12 Angry Men, plays Walter Matthau's role. Okay. And one of the team members is Corey Feldman. Oh. Who would have been like Jeez. 10 at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't believe it lasted 26 episodes. <laughs> That's bonkers to me. But people had less to do back in the also late true. 70s. <laughs> there was like six shows to watch. So. Yeah. And then uh, the aforementioned remake from 2005. Uh, I didn't know that until I was just looking it up. It's directed by Richard Linkletter, who gave us Dazed and oh. Confused, the Before Trilogy and School of Rock. Okay. And stars Billy Bob Thornton, Marsha Gay Harden, and Greg Kinnear course kind of curious to watch that just to see you know how similar and or different it is you yeah know? i wouldn't shall we i would hope it would be rated r just mm-hmm. for personal one really feelings. cool thing about it is if you look at the poster for that movie it mm-hmm. is like because in the uh poster for the original which we'll talk about later is done by jack davis a mad magazine artist it's very cartoony looking in illustration Mm-hmm. They mimicked that. I don't. Oh. I don't think it's Jack Davis, but they mimicked that style very closely. And the poster for oh. the remake is like almost. It's very similar to the original. Oh, good. And I thought no that idea. was kind of cool. That does not seem like something that modern Hollywood would do. No. But I do like to hear that. Yeah. Okay. 
So yeah, uh, Bad News Bears, like it's it's good. I'm kind of middle yeah. of the road on it. Okay, okay, it's fair. Next up, please. Uh, from 1989, we have Major League. Hello, you know us. We're a Major League Baseball team. But since we haven't won a pennant in over 30 years, nobody recognizes us. Not even in our own hometown. That's why we carry the American Express card. No matter how far out of first we are, it's cool. You know, it keeps us from getting shut out at our favorite hotels and restaurant-type places. So you're looking for some big league clock. Apply for that little green home run heater. Look what it's done for us. People still don't recognize us, but... We're contenders now. The American Express card. Don't steal home without it. Just a joy, Mills. Mills, what's the most important thing you learned from Major League? From the movie or about the movie? From the movie. From the movie. Uh, never drink Joe Boo's rum. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's my man right there. Yeah. <laughs> I had that locked and loaded. So just don't you ever drink Joe Boo's rum. Do you want to know the most important thing I learned about the movie? Yeah, absolutely. Charlie Sheen admitted to using steroids to perform to improve his performance while filming. No shit. <laughs> yeah. Wow, is that where the tiger blood started? <laughs> he was an actual pitcher on his high school baseball team, mm-hmm. and during filming, while he was taking steroids, his uh, fastball topped out at eighty-eight miles per hour, which I feel like is pretty oh, good. That's pretty good. But uh, yeah, like years later, uh, he did an interview with some magazine, and he admitted that he was using. <laughs> Nice steroids. He was like sleeveless an awful lot in the movie. So yeah, it's just funny. It wasn't like for an action film or something. It was for Major (laughs) League. (laughs) Billsy was was coach say forget the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. That guy's voice is probably my favorite thing about this movie. <laughs> Go on. That guy fucking, uh, it's, it's just sounds like he's been gargling gravel for yes. 40 years. Yes. He sounds like he stepped out of a old Western saloon. Man. Lou Brown. I love that dude. <laughs> the best. He's, he's amazing. Great, he's great throughout the whole thing. He really is. And uh, like I, I recognized him. I wasn't sure where I'd seen him before. He's one of those guys who's been in a thousand things. I probably recognize his voice more than anything. But uh, among the other things he's done, that, that actor's name is James Gammon. He was in Cool Hand Luke, uh, Macon County Line, Any Which Way You Can, Silverado, Silver Bullet, Revenge, Cabin Boy, Natural Born Killers, the Man in the Iron Mask, The Iron Giant, Cold mm. Mountain, and Appaloosa. Hell yeah. But yeah, that I love that dude's voice. Dude, the best. So much. The best. Um, So this movie, again, I, I know Brian and probably Joel have been trying to get me to watch this for a long time. And it's not like I was, I had like any adverse feelings about watching and I just didn't have a ton of interest and didn't get around to it until now. Um, if it wasn't for the show, who knows when I would have gotten around to it. Mm-hmm. But I, it, the movie is not what I thought it was going to be. Go on. The movie is a comedy film about baseball. Yes. I thought that this movie was a parody film. Mm, I thought this was going to be like Hot Shots, but for sports movies. 
Interesting. And it has a lot of like goofball humor that would fit right into one of those movies. But that's mm-hmm. not what it is. And I, no. I think it's a combination of the movie poster, which again, we'll talk about later on, but it's like a baseball with sunglasses and a mohawk. And then mm-hmm. like the tagline is really fucking goofy on it. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that Charlie Sheen's in it and he's in hot shots, like it just <laughs> like all these years, I thought this was like a fucking parody movie. Interesting. At what point did you realize it wasn't? Like right away, like okay. five minutes into the movie, if if not less. But yeah, okay. But I I always thought that's what it was. Amazing. I was ready for fucking Naked Gun. Mm-hmm. Amazing. <laughs> and that's not really what it is. I could dig it. I like the setup for this movie. Premise for anybody like me who hasn't seen it uh, is that the Cleveland Indians, I guess in real life, uh, suck. <laughs> And, like, hadn't uh, performed well for many, many years. And uh, the in, within the movie, the owner of the team dies and leaves his, like, wife all of his money and the team. And she hates living, li- uh, living in Cleveland and wants to move the team to Miami so she can live in, like, a nicer climate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the league won't let her just decide to move the team. Right. But there's she has some... a lease with the, the, the city. Yep. Yeah. There's something in like the bylaws or whatever that says if the attendance to the games dips down to like 8,000, then it, like they can't force them to stay and they'll let them move. So she specifically picks like a bunch of no namers and washed up people and like, just tries to build the worst team possible so that they'll go from being a bad team to being the absolute worst in the league so that she'll be able to move the team. And of course her determination to make all the players lives miserable just makes them want to throw it back in her face even more. So they end up Mm -hmm. being really good. Yep. I like that premise a lot. That's a really fun premise, like set up for a movie to have that like, you know, rich stick in the mud villain kind of character. And then all yep. like the, you know, this random mix of screwballs and weirdos on the team. <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. a, that's a really fun idea. Yep. I dig that premise a lot. I concur. I gotta be honest. It's like, it's tough for me to like even watch this movie uh, like subjectively. Cause I've seen it so many times and love it so much. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, Trying to like trying to watch it and be, uh, you know, critical of it was tough to be because I've just watched it so many times and I've always enjoyed it. So I was like, I'm pretty excited just to hear what you think about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of fun characters in it. It's like a very wide array of people. Uh, Wesley Snipes, I'm used to more so being the kind of like stoic badass. Mm-hmm. But I guess this was pretty early in his career because I read that, you know, there's a couple sequels to this and he did not come yeah. back for the the for Major League Two three years later be, or like four years later because in the meantime, this movie helped make him a star. So he was like mm-hmm. too good for yeah. it. Omar but, Epps replaced him. <laughs> right. I did read that. That's kind of interesting. But it's like young, hungry Wesley Snipes was fucking shot at a can out of a cannon in this totally. and mm-hmm. i really liked him yep uh he was a lot of fun charlie sheen i think i've been on record as saying i i don't think he's a great 
actor slash leading man. And based on our uh, review of Hot Shots, I also didn't think he was great as a comedic actor. It seems like his approach to comedy is to just be really serious. <laughs> yeah. Like, anytime I've seen him act in a comedy, he's just, it's like, it's like he's, he thinks that being really serious will make the situations funny or something. Or maybe that's just the way it's written for him. I don't know, but. I mean, the character is kind of serious and I think it's just supposed to be like, kind of like a bit of a screwball thing that he's like the, you know, tough guy, prison baseball player, but now he like has to wear glasses yeah. to I be mean, good. I liked and that too. I thought that was I do, but it's like, again, it's more like, it's not him being funny with glasses. It's like just that character needing glasses. You're supposed to be laughing. So I think it's plays into what you're saying. It's not so much something for him to work with. It's just supposed to be inherently funny, I guess. Yeah. Had he not opened his mouth, I don't know if I would have recognized Dennis Haysbert. <laughs> As big Pedro Serrano. Yep. <laughs> it's just funny because... I don't I I guess it's because uh I'm so used to him as either the president on 24 or the Allstate commercial guy like wearing a suit <laughs> mm-hmm. and like telling you to be responsible or whatever that seeing him in this is just like a he's younger than I'm kind of used to seeing him in this because uh like Navy Seals would be the only other thing early on that I really know him from mm-hmm. but even that that was 90s wasn't it yeah, that was after this. Yeah. So, like, for the first couple scenes, I was like, is that Dennis Haysbert? <laughs> it's wild to see him again, because I kind of, I just always, like, think of him. I just think of Pedro Serrano as the character. It's like, I kind of even forgot. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen this one, too. And just seeing him, be like, oh, yeah. But he really does look so different with the goatee, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem like it would, like, be that drastic of a change. But I think it is. Yeah. And again, I guess I'm used to seeing him like wearing a suit. And then in this, he's like, you know, muscular ass dude. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, even though he's like, he's got that voice, like that makes him sound like a total badass. Like, I feel like the roles I know him most for are like really centered, (laughs) Mm -hmm. mature people. So like seeing him be like, he could have been a fucking, you know, action star with his shirt off beating the shit out of people right but uh i guess i I mean i don't know what all else he's done i didn't look up like the rest of his credits maybe there's like some things i don't know about but it feels like he just didn't go that way i wanted to say too with um like you were saying wesley snipes not coming back for the sequel and stuff because i think this was what 89 Mm -hmm. and i want to say sequel was 94 yeah, and White Men Can't Jump was probably like 90, 91, 92. Uh, and I feel like that was like so huge that that's probably. Yeah. He really blew up from that. So, mm-hmm. um, But yeah, I think he's great in this. I think Charlie Sheen's character is fine. He's not like in this even movie a bunch. He's he's in the sequel a ton more. Because oh, at yeah. that point, he's like, he's Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think the wild thing character is fine. I think I always like get into it when it's, you know. At the end, when they're playing the music, when he's coming out yeah, that as the relief cool. <laughs> pitcher, I mean, that's great. It's I, it's almost surprising too, but it's like Tom Berenger's kind of like the, really the lead of this for a lot of reasons. And he's one where, like, I know the name more than anything. Like, I don't feel like I've seen a ton of things with him. I've seen like Born on the Fourth of July, but it's been a long time, and I don't really remember him in it. 
Like I've seen Training Day a couple times. I it's been a while for that too, but I don't remember him in that. And then like just last year, I watched The Big Chill for the first time, and I liked that a lot. But that's like an ensemble, mm-hmm. and it's not like he stood out to me or anything. Mainly, even though I've never seen any of them, I know him as oh, he's the guy who's in all the sniper movies, <laughs> right? I've seen the first Sniper, and I think now there's 12 of them or something. I've never seen any of them, but I did write down that he was in Sniper 1, 2, 3, Legacy, Ultimate Kill, and Assassin's End. So at least six of them. So I, it's like, I imagined him as like this stoic action guy, again, kind of like Wesley Snipes. So I thought he was really likable and fun in this. Oh, yeah. I mean, he plays like as the washed up. Or seemingly washed up character, but, you know, it's got a lot of heart, even though he'd been a scumbag in the past to his mm-hmm. old lady. And then uh, Corbin Burnson was pretty good as, like, the pretty boy. Um, yep. I think one of my favorite moments in the movie, because it zigged when I thought it was going to zag, was uh, after Corbin Burnson's character's wife finds out that he's cheating on her, she cheats on him with Charlie Sheen, his teammate, and doesn't tell Charlie Sheen who she is before they yep. do it and mm-hmm. then like it happens right before like the the big final game in the movie and uh when corbin burnson approaches the mound and you think like he's gonna cause problems like in this key moment of the game and then he's just like strike this motherfucker out or whatever and then he walks away. <laughs> right. i was like oh that's pretty good and then i kind of yeah. forgot about it so when they're all celebrating and then he just hauls yeah. off and punches charlie sheet in the right. face i thought that was good too yeah. and then they continue to celebrate together <laughs> yeah, was good. yeah i thought that was good yeah i mean for me there's just like a bunch of funny lines like just funny things like that i'll always laugh at i'll always think of i mean coach lou just like this whole line about give him the heater or something i feel like i've been saying forever mm-hmm. and you know it's, i had almost like an epiphany watching this this time because early on i think it's when willie mays hayes shows up at uh spring training and he's got like that funky car which it's, it's almost like it's like a volkswagen beetle that he turned to try to make look like a rolls royce or whatever <laughs> yeah and not it's not coach Lou, it's one of the other coaches he go he's looking at him and he goes Look at this fucking guy. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, I feel like I say that <laughs> at least once a day. That sounds like a Dex burger, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I watched the movie. I'm like, wait. I was like, did I say that? And it's just like so burned in like my lexicon. Is it from watching this movie all the time? Because I feel like just anything. I'll be driving around the car with Megan. I'll just be like, oh, look at this fucking guy. <laughs> Yeah, I would have just as easily believed that that was a line you got from like The Sopranos or something, but very possible it's from this. Uh, at this point, I'm going to say like I was 100 percent it's from this because it just made me laugh hearing him say it, and then I was just like a, a light bulb went off, and I was like, wait, yeah, look at this. But yeah, good cast. Uh, Renee Russo's in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I yeah, guess she was good. pretty fresh faced in this too. Yep. Yeah, I, it, good cast. I, I like the premise. Um, you know, there's some goofy shit in there, but there's a lot of fun stuff yeah, as well. It's good. Like we were saying with Bad News Bears, where it's just like these one note characters. I mean, they, they still the movie, the characters in this. There, there's more to them having like their own little particular things, which I like. I mean, you get a lot of, you know, Pedro Serrano and his his stuff with Joe Boo. And, you know, Willie Mace, kind of all of them get a little bit, little bit more to do that fits their characters. I mean, I got a huge laugh when, um, for me, that something I forgot, but 
when uh, Serrano's he's doing his Jobu thing and he's like puts like gunpowder or whatever in the little cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then it goes off and he's like, I must wake up the bats. <laughs> Tears in my eyes. Oh, <laughs> oh so funny. Yeah. Oh, good. Would you have guessed that this was written by the same person who wrote Sleepless in Seattle? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> this was written and directed by David S. Ward. Um, he also wrote The Sting and The Sting 2, which blows my mind. Oh. Uh, I just rewatched The Sting not terribly long ago. That movie's great. Who's in that one? Robert Redford and um, Paul Newman. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got to see that one. Great movie. He also wrote and directed King Ralph, which I haven't seen in a very long time, but is like a childhood favorite of mine. You familiar with oh, that one? No, not at all. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to get King Ralph on the lineup. Yeah. It's, uh, I, again, it's been a very long time, but it's like some John Goodman plays like just a schlubby, you know, dumb American. And somehow, I don't remember if it's, uh, if it's real lineage or if there's like a mistake on the books or something like that, but he ends up becoming like the King of England or like joining the Royal family. And so it's like a fish out of water, just like dumb, loud American, like mixing it up with like the prim and proper, like British Royal family. Mm -hmm. King Ralph. Okay. (laughs) All right. Again, haven't seen it in many years, but uh, loved that when I was younger. Um, he also wrote and directed Down Periscope, which I've never seen, but uh, did Major League okay. Two as well. Okay, okay. In an alternate ending, the uh, the owner of the team, the rich woman, mm-hmm. reveals that the team was actually bankrupt and she couldn't afford A-list players, so the move to Miami was just a ruse to motivate the bad players to play better. Which is just too fucking convenient, and thank God they got rid of that. Yeah, seriously, that just that would (laughs) that would ruin it. That would just that would just yeah. Apparently, they showed both endings to test audiences, and test audiences preferred her as a villain, whereas that ending would have made her like a secret hero. Right, absolutely terrible. That was a thousand percent terrible idea. idea. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there are two sequels to this. Have you seen either or both of them? Yeah, the just Major League Two falls in potentially falls into the Dax Berger phenomenon of seeing the sequel more than the original. <laughs> I have seen both of them just endless times, but I could, you know, I could contend that I, I may have seen the sequel to major league two more than anyone else in history. <laughs> Fair enough, but not, uh, I don't even know. What's the third one. It's got like major a league back to the minors, right? Yeah, no, nothing there. Uh, so major league two was 94. And then uh, Major League Back to the Minors. I read that it's considered a standalone sequel. I don't 100% know what that means. I thought so it the meant... What does that be? I don't know. I thought it meant that it was going to have like none of the original cast and it was just going to be like an in-name only sequel. But Corbin Burnson and Dennis Haysbert are both in it. Okay. And it also has Scott Bakula as one of the leads and uh, Walton Goggins, who I feel like was probably an unknown back then in 98. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's a couple newcomers to the cast in the second one. Some of them come back for the third one. I guess there's like a Asian dude. There is. Who comes back. Just for comparison's sake, the original budget was 11 million. Box office was 75. Ooh. Uh, Major League Two budget ballooned to 25 million, probably because all of a sudden everybody's... uh, 
paychecks star. got bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it still did well, but not as well. It made $53 million at the box office. Oh, wow. And then the third one, I would have almost guessed was like a direct-to-video, but it was theatrical. Oh. Uh, $18 million budget, $3.5 million box oh. office. Fatality. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Between 2010 and 2015, another sequel was in the works, which would have ignored Back to the Miners and focused on um, Charlie Sheen's character coming out of retirement. Oh. And apparently Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger, and Wesley Snipes were in talks to return. I'm guessing that was like post-tax issues, Wesley Snipes, (laughs) (laughs) when he just needed a paycheck. And uh, that obviously never happened. And then as recently as 2017, there was talk of a reboot. But uh, Mm. could a Major League reboot recapture the feel of the original nowadays? I doubt it. Yeah. Baseball is so different, too, you know? But, I mean, if they... It's one of those things like the like you said, the premise is so good, like this failing team and just like the evil owner wants to sabotage it for her own means. Like if they did that again. But of course, they're going to do too much. They're going to do that. But then like they're going to re- redo every character the same, too, when it's like if you just did another kind of baseball movie of like underdogs, you know, that stuff kind of always plays. But yeah, no, I don't think they could. I think the fact that the team goes all the way is like maybe almost a little too hokey like in uh it's kind of the same uh plot line of the bad news bears in a manner of speaking Mm -hmm. but in the bad news bears they pull a rocky and they don't end up winning and it's more about like well we won a moral victory in that uh we all are slightly less shitty people and look how much Mm -hmm. look how far we came at least in this one it's only like to the playoffs it's not like the world series or anything Mm. but yeah, so in that like final game when they had those enormous crowds, this being 1989, I was like, "How are they doing this? Are they like compositing in actual like footage of like playoff game crowds somehow with like almost like a matte painting where they like split the mm. the crowd de- from like the, uh, the the field or something?" But there were like so many shots of like just tons of people in the background going bananas. I read that they actually had 20,000 extras in the stands. I was going to say, I had a feeling they just like put it out there. Like it's come, come be in this, this movie. Fucking like nuts. Oh yeah. Cause uh, I read that Dennis Haysbert said that during the scene where they walk out onto the field for the final game and the crowd's mm-hmm. going bananas, it's literally like 20,000 people screaming and cheering. He said that he actually felt emotional yeah. uh, walking out okay. onto the field. No, oh, that's cool. Yeah. They were all dancing for a wild thing and all that. That shit's so awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a good time. Oh. After all that, he liked it. Well, I mean, I good never deal. assumed I wouldn't like it. I mean, I I'm not I saying anyone did. I I'm just saying like that's it in a manner of yeah. speaking because I thought it was a kind of movie that I'm generally yeah. not a big fan of, but I'm just mean after, you know, time of people talking and especially Brian wanting to watch it and it worked out good. Yeah. Yeah. Good dig it. There you go. Another one off the bucket list. Mm-hmm. Uh, ready for film number three? Of course. It's from, from 1993, we have childhood favorite of mine, The Sandlot. Mm-hmm. 
easy when you play with a bunch of rejects and a uh, fat kid, Rodriguez. Shut your mouth, Phillips. Would you say crap face? I said you shouldn't even be allowed to touch a baseball. Except for Rodriguez, you're all an insult to the game. Come on! We'll take you on right here, right now! Come on! You plan a real diamond porter? You ain't good enough to lick the dirt off our cleats. Watch it, jerk. Shut up, idiot! Moron! Scab eater! Butt sniffer! Puss licker! Fart smeller! <sighs> you eat dog crap for breakfast, geek! You mix your weeds with your mama's toe jam! Yeah! You bob for apples in the toilet! And you like it! You play ball like a girl! What did you say? You heard me. Tomorrow, noon, at our field. Get the buffalo butt breath. Count on it, pee drinking crap face. Yeah! Let's go! I mean, just going to prove my thing about, you know, not liking sports, but, you know, being perfectly open to enjoying and, mm-hmm. and actually enjoying many sports movies. Mm-hmm. 1993, I would have been like eight years old. Okay. And I remember, so my grandparents on my father's side used to live in West Virginia. Uh, it was probably like a eight hour drive for us or whatever to go visit them. And um, they lived way the fuck back in the woods, like up on a mountain. (laughs) Um, Like to get from a normal road to their house was like the better part of an hour drive through like windy back roads up a mountain. Damn. And so like when we would go visit them, it was basically like once we get to their house, we're not leaving there. (laughs) So (laughs) the way I remember it is that whenever we would go to see them, like on the way in, they would drive like the hour plus out to civilization and we would like meet and like have dinner somewhere or do something, go to the the quote unquote local mall because it wasn't really technically local to them. Mm-hmm. And there was this restaurant that my, my grandmother on my father's side was not what I would call a fan of the finer things in life. She liked garbage and she was okay with it, with anybody knowing it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like corny ass shitty movies, bad TV. Uh, Mm -hmm. She never dressed particularly well. (laughs) Sounds like my kind of people. Cheapest haircut imaginable just because it was cheap. Mm -hmm. And I remember at that time, like her favorite restaurant in the world. I don't remember the name of it, but it was this pizza place. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a nice, like, oh, it's Angelo's fine Italian pies. It was like a, I don't even know if it was a chain, but it was a place where they had like a pizza buffet where like there was just like pizzas out and you could just like take slices that for like pay whatever. Fucking amazing. Go on. And you, they, you could also get them to make pizzas with like the craziest shit on them. You know, when you go to like Cold Stone Creamery or, or something and you can get like Fruit Loops and you're mashed up in your ice cream, mm-hmm. you could get like gummy bears on pizza at this place. Like, this oh, was like, fuck? she loved this place. <laughs> okay. And I remember we met them there and we ate at this pizza place. And then we went to the mall 
and we went to the multiplex in the mall and we saw the Sandlot as a family. And ever since that day, I've fucking loved this movie. <laughs> Watched it like dozens and dozens of times over the course of my life. Like we had the old VHS in like the uh, the like puffy Disney style uh, packaging. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I would just watch it all the fucking time. And it's like, it didn't matter that it was a baseball-centric movie. It was just a good fucking movie. I love these heartwarming Millsy stories. (laughs) Thank God we did this podcast. (laughs) And it's one of those ones that, like, as the year... There's movies like Ghostbusters I've loved since I was a kid. And as the years go by, it recontextualizes itself. Because I've said before, like, when I saw Ghostbusters as a kid, I just thought it was awesome because they were busting ghosts. Now I watch it and I think it's fucking hilarious as well. Mm-hmm. Sandlot never really changed for me. It's just always been this movie that makes me feel weirdly nostalgic for a time that I never experienced myself. And while I could give two shits about baseball, just like the camaraderie and the friendships and just all the little dabs and tastes of things that we get to experience with them, like... They go to the pool and they have like a fun little adventure at the pool. They go to the carnival and there's like a noteworthy memory attached to the carnival for them. They have the, uh, you know, the one game a year where they play at night because the skies are illuminated by the fireworks on 4th of July. And it's just, it's like, it's like you are peering in, like, like as you think back to your childhood, you don't remember like every single day of like a certain summer, but you'll maybe remember like two events. It's like peering into someone's memory mm-hmm. and seeing these like specific events that stick out to them. Like the time we all puked because we were chewing tobacco mm-hmm. on a carnival ride or the time that big chief yeah, or the time that squints like uh, pretended that he drowned so he could kiss the, the lifeguard. Mm-hmm. It's just, this movie is like the fucking textbook definition for me of like the warm and fuzzies. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. <laughs> Always have. Yep. Still do. I will say I'm right there with you. I don't have, I don't remember my first viewing. I mean, I would have been like 11 when it came out. I just feel like I've always, I've, it's always been a part of life. I mean, I would, would have been like right the exact age of, you know, you as well, like within the kids in the movie. So it's like, I feel like we'll always have like a soft spot for our generation. If they, if you watched it growing up, but Mm -hmm. um, how bad news bears is not high and tight. This is the exact opposite where it's just like (laughs) so finely crafted with like great characters, great story, you know, great pitch. And then just like, really well acted like a great ensemble cast of kids which has to be a horror show to put together (laughs) their dialogue is so good like you said every like little bit of thing that happens is just like so fun it's like a timeless classic too because of course you know it's recreating a time period before it was filmed so you know when something can like feel so authentic yeah like that it's like really like a testament to how good the movie is yeah it's just like take pennywise out of the first half of it and mm-hmm. th- like you have this same feel yeah. with like a group of kids who become friends and then they just go mm-hmm. through experiences together and right and it's just like so fun and like the yeah. music is great you oh, know it yeah, looks such great, great. R- fucking needle drops in this oh totally 
just like again it's just like I feel like they just like cast it so perfectly there's so many great bits of dialogue that you'll someone's always been saying you know for fun or whatever or yeah just, i mean i like it was endless so quotes. many people say it like um it's just it's kind of like you were talking about like the the lines that you remember from uh, major league mm-hmm. uh you're killing me smalls I is mean, just like a it's part an of all timer yeah and then in certain connotations um i have been known to drop the forever oh totally oh <laughs> same here i yeah. mean some of the stuff is just so classic the movie looks really good. Like that scene at night with the fireworks yeah. is amazing looking. Even when it's like dusk, like it looks like the the sun is like just gone down and they're all like on their way to the baseball game. And it's like everybody's out in the street having like a block party for 4th of July. And they have that quick little bit of ham like running out of his house. He's late for the game and he's like trying to grab a hot dog and stuff it with shit because he's the token fat character who also yep. plays catcher, of course. Right. The fat guy's always got to be either the catcher <laughs> or the goalie. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. There's just like so many things from the movie that just make me smile. I just love, I especially love and noticed it even more, I think, watching it this time, like the the flashbacks especially with the dog where it's like they're oh. they're making it out like he's the size of like a volkswagen beetle or something and yeah that's actually something akin to what i was saying about how like my my thoughts on ghostbusters changed over the years like this movie is still the same movie to me but it's funny to think back i remember when i was a kid rewatching this movie ad nauseum in like elementary school that um they would have those flashbacks where the dog was enormous and then at the end when it, you finally see the real dog, it's it's a big dog, but it's like right. a normal sized dog. And and when I was a kid, I would think to myself, "Oh, this sucks that they like couldn't find a dog big enough." But no, like what I eventually realized, like several viewings later, was that was like the imagination of a child as to how exactly. big the dog yeah. was. That was just gonna say, like that is the dog that a kid would exaggerate into, you know, yeah, the size beast. of a lion or something. <laughs> Yeah. Just so good. Something else I'll say about this movie uh, is I have heard the opinion on more than one occasion that um, people say if a movie needs narration, then that's like a fault or a flaw in the writing that a mo- like a film, a visual medium shouldn't need narration. To those people, I say, fuck you. Watch The Sandlot. Because there's not a ton of narration in this, but I love the vibe that it brings yeah. to it. I, I don't even care what movie people are talking about to say something like that. Just sounds stupid to me. Like, like what that movie, is an what movie needs anything? Hold. It's just like it can add add to the experience. Which for me, that's what this one does. Like you said, there's not a ton of it, but it's there when it needs to be or should yeah. be. It's just like the way the movie is set up with the like wraparound of uh, like the modern day, whatever, in the 90s, I guess, when the movie was made. Mm-hmm. And then to have that voice just interject every now and then. And mm-hmm. I don't know. it. I, I love that stuff. Yeah. Constantly talking about the pickle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like so much that just makes the watching a movie like this just makes you like. Regardless of like events of my childhood, like will still make me like think back fondly to those kind of days or those times, yeah. when, you know, having like this kind of fun. And here's a take that I was trying to formulate like a way to 
describe it while I was watching the movie this time because it's been a couple years since I've seen it. But like going back to my uh, reference to it earlier, you know, they both are movies that like take place in the past with like a group of kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. Same thing like, you know, Stranger Things is another example of that kind of thing. Group of kids in a previous era. Um, Like they can be, you know, funny and they star kids, but they aren't necessarily for children like it is like especially like scary. Yeah, totally. And like probably not best for kids the age of the characters in the movie to be watching it. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe the kids of the age of the movie because they're like young teens maybe. But anyway, my point being like the Sandlot, I think, you know, you could definitely call it a kid's movie. It's definitely okay for all ages, I would say. But my perception was always that it is a kid's movie, but it has enough of that like pixar-esque like stuff that's good for adults that like anybody can enjoy it it's interesting to me that i feel like the movie it's like a movie about kids that's not necessarily geared towards or has to be for kids because it's like relatable to anybody with like a memory of their Mm -hmm. childhood except for the third act when they are devising all of the ways to try and get the ball back from the other side of the fence. And this isn't a criticism. It's just the only part of the movie that dips into this feels like it was devised to entertain kids because it's like, we're using the erector set to build like Mm -hmm. a robot Mm -hmm. and like all of these, like we're going to lower a kid down with a rope. It feels like something that came from a kid's book or something. And that's the only part of the movie that feels that way. I guess I'm just curious, like what your thought on that is, or if you agree, or if that ever crossed your mind, never crossed my mind. Cause it just kind of play. I mean, it does get into more that, that part of the movie does get to be more of like the, you know, the heist portion of the, the movie, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, you saying that like, yeah, it makes a little more sense when it's, um, it's just like, because it's about kids. Yeah. Uh, it feels like it, the intention would be that it is for kids and it's definitely okay for kids. And I think probably was intended for kids, but I think that even like an adult could watch this movie for the first time. And with the exception of that one bit, I don't think that it feels like a kid's movie. No, I think you kind of like got to it with saying like how like some modern animated Pixar stuff is like, you know, good for all ages but still is more geared towards children yeah um this like yeah kind of makes sense that it's like you, yeah someone just with any nostalgic bone in their body could find enjoyment in this because it makes them think of when they were a kid so yeah i just feel like it's a sign of quality that like this movie is you know working on slightly a, a higher level than maybe most yeah. people think or the intention was i yeah. just think it's it's really well done in all aspects. And I think and it's like I'm. I would say it's pretty like universally loved, right? I mean, I don't know if I've ever heard someone say they don't like the Sandlot. Yeah, it's interesting. I definitely feel like people from our age range, and even like you know, uh, my boss at work, who's a good like you know twenty to thirty years older than me, he will quote, uh, "You're killing me, Smalls." So like, obviously, he knows and has memories of, and is a fan of the movie as well. But I I have always gotten the general feeling that pretty much everybody agrees across the board that The Sandlot is a good movie and most people have seen it. But then, like, when I was looking it up um, to, like, look for, you know, anecdotes and things for the show, 
doesn't really seem to be the case. I think uh, on Metacritic or something I read, it's only got like a six point something out of ten, which you know that's not terrible, that ab- but it's, that sounds absurd to me. It sounds low. When the movie came out, it only did like thirty four million uh, on a seven million dollar budget, so that's not bad. But then like uh, Roger Ebert, I think gave it a three out of four. Um, I think Siskel might have given it like a 2.5, but there were quotes from some other reviewers for like Variety or the New York Times or something that were like kind of trashing it. And I just, I find it hard to imagine anybody being able to like criticize this movie that harshly. I I find that very surprising. Yeah. I feel like it is kind of universal to at least people of our age. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, yeah, I've got nothing to say to those people. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh the ending is great after like everything that they've gone through that mm-hmm. you know they could have just knocked on the door james earl jones is so fucking likable in that last yeah. scene just that it's even him too it's just like so out of left field yeah the special effects in the scene the dream sequence with uh, babe ruth are really cool where he looks like he's made a tv static oh yeah i do like that yeah the cast is so good it's just yeah, it really is man it's just like it's like a little surprising to me that most of the kids didn't go on to do a whole lot because they're all so good. I think it's tough with tough with the kids, but yeah, they're all they're all great. Just makes such a good a good little group and just such a well made movie. It's just yeah. like kind of it, it it nails all all requirements for me. You know, Megan, my sweet Megan, this is one of her favorite movies too. So we've watched it quite a bit. Nice in our time together because it's just it's a classic. You know, so, I a agree. Classic movie. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, The one kid that did kind of end up having a, like like a lot of them had like other kids movies at the time. Like the kid who plays ham, he was in um, a soccer movie around the same time called the big green. Mm -hmm. Uh, I never saw it, but I remember seeing the poster. I'm pretty sure the poster is he's like the goalie in, in that movie. And uh, I think if I remember correctly, the poster is like him like sitting on the ground with like his arms and feet in front of him, like he's being blown back and the soccer ball is like sitting in his crotch. Like he just got hit in the nuts with it. Oh, I'm pretty sure I'm not making that up. If I am, it's pretty weird. Okay. A couple of the kids like, uh, Benny and, um, what are the other? Oh, uh, um, Kenny, the pitcher, they were both in a couple of the mighty ducks movies. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Kenny. Yeah. I feel like he's popped up. He was in the people under the stairs also, Mm -hmm. but, uh, the main kid, Scott Smalls, uh, the actor, Tom Geary, he is still in stuff. He was in U571, Tigerland, Black Hawk Down, Mystic River, The Revenant, Brawl and Cell Block 99. A bunch of stuff. Seen a ton of stuff that he's in. Don't, can't say I remember him in any of them. So maybe he's got kind of small parts, but he's still kicking around. Good for him. The weird thing that I read <laughs> was uh, the kid who played Benny the Jet, uh, Mike Vitar is his name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He did a couple more movies and then he gave up acting and he went on to become a firefighter. And then oh. like five to eight years ago, uh, he ended up in like a lawsuit because him and two other firefighters thought that a 22-year-old dude in their neighborhood was, like, giving poisoned trick-or-treat candy to kids. 
So they like attacked him and held him down and like choked him out and then had to call like an ambulance to resuscitate him. Jeez. And then like they, you know, they got sued and I'm like, Benny, what did you, <laughs> Benny, what did you do? And it turns out that the guy was doing nothing wrong. I don't know what happened there, but he got suspended for like uh, six months, but he's like back being a firefighter again. <laughs> Okay, Benny. I was the just jet. like, that is like the last thing I ever expected to read mm-hmm. about Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Pretty much. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, trend in this episode is sequels. So mm-hmm. hit me. Uh, this one again, 1993. Twelve years later, in 2005, The Sandlot Two, written and directed and narrated once again by the writer and director of the original, David Mickey Evans. Uh, James Earl Jones returns. Oh. It takes place in 1972, so 10 years after the original. And it follows Scott Small's younger brother, which mm-hmm. he didn't have a brother in the first one, which took place in 1962. If this is 10 years later, that brother's got to be like nine years old, maybe? Sure. That's the only thing that makes sense. It sounds like a real rehash of the original. Where uh, it's 1972 now, like all the other kids have moved away, and it's like this younger generation has taken over the Sandlot, and <laughs> the the dog in the movie ended up being named Hercules, uh, the beast from the first one. Mm-hmm. Hercules at some point fathered a puppy that now they they have some other name similar to the Beast Ford. It's called like the Great Terror or something. And <laughs> it sounds like it's just like the same movie yeah. all over again. With the extra added mix of, um, there's like a group of girls that want to play softball on the Sandlot, and it's like a boys versus girls thing. Okay. I don't know. It The Sandlot is so perfect that I can't imagine a sequel 10 plus years later is any good, so I don't ever want to go anywhere near that one. Yeah, I would avoid that too. And then uh, two years after that, in 2007, there's Sandlot Heading Home. Oh, boy. Uh, This one involves sort of time travel. (laughs) In 2004, an L.A. Dodgers player is knocked unconscious and wakes up in 1976 where he relives his youth playing at the Sandlot. Jesus. And then, of course, at the end of the movie, he's knocked out again and wakes up back in the present. Uh, I hate it. Yeah, not, not super into that either. A prequel film was announced in 2018. Nothing ever happened there. And then uh, in 2019, when Disney Plus was like just about to pop off, a Disney Plus series was announced to be in the works with, quote, the original cast. I don't know if that mean if they meant to say like the original characters, like it would be squints and smalls like new actors playing them or if they actually meant like the adult versions of the kids <sighs> just leave it alone <laughs> that's that's He's my God. opinion on most things nowadays seriously just the 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 you know the floor has got to fall out on these legacy sequels mills i agree give it up make something new someday soon all the years watching this movie I never realized that Marley Shelton was Wendy Peppercorn until I was looking it up. Like, it didn't even ever register to me looking at her face that she is, like, you know, she's in Grindhouse and Sin City. She's in a couple a of the recent of things, screen yeah. movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, this certainly would have been, like, the first thing to see her in, for sure. 
Yeah. But. This magic moment. Mm-hmm. Such a name, too. Such like an all-time, like, pretty girl from the town, Wendy Peppercorn. Wendy Peppercorn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this fucking movie. Amazing. That's just splendid. <sighs> All right. Uh, shall Let's we talk, talk about them, some posters? <laughs> talk them posties. All right. So first up, we have Bad News Bears. Like I said earlier, it's a Jack Davis drawing. I love it. It's Yeah, it's really good. It really is. Like, as far as the artwork's concerned, the only critique I would have is that uh, Walter Matthau doesn't look a whole lot like Walter Matthau in the face, but... <laughs> I mean, he's got that nose, um, but yeah, it doesn't, like... It's you could look at it and not immediately know it's him. I mean, even uh, Tatum O'Neill, you know, it doesn't really look like her either. She um, looks like she's about 30. <laughs> I was going to say, she just looks drawn. like a short woman here. Yeah. yeah. But... That being said, I still just like love the drawing. I mean, the it feels like a poster from the seventies. It's got like a really long tagline, of course. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like I spend so much time whenever I see this image, just looking at the artwork that I don't even pay attention to what mm-hmm. else is going on around it. But uh, oh, the coach is waiting for his next beer. The pitcher is waiting for her first bra. The team is waiting for a miracle. Consider the possibilities. That's yes awful yeah it's terrible it doesn't even sound like it would be a comedic baseball movie just yeah consider the possibilities it's just, it's just yeah it's that's bad yeah it's awful. <laughs> i don't know why they used to insist on like describing the entire film mm-hmm. in a uh in totally. a tagline on posters like this yeah but it's just funny to me because like she feels like kind of a side character and she doesn't come in until like the second act, but yeah, Tatum O'Neill right there. Number one, she's real big on the poster next to Walter mm-hmm. Matthau. Number two, their names are like equal size, yeah. same height. That's totally going off of that Oscar win, but yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, the drawing is just so fun. Dump so that good. tagline and I really have no problems with this poster. Yeah, pretty much. I'm right there with you. Uh, Major League. Uh, now, I I assume that for fans, the baseball with the mohawk and the glasses is pretty iconic. I mean, it's cl- like yes, but I've never been like crazy about it, and I don't like this poster. <laughs> now, you know, I think it's like pretty bad in for a couple of random reasons. Again, uh, multiple bad taglines. But then, like, just the, uh, what would you say, like, the hierarchy of everything is just so off. The baseball's off-center. It's too, you know, it's too small. The baseball cards are too small. The logo's too small. There's tons of, like, blue, empty area. Yeah, that yellow text of the taglines really clashes yep, with the blue. It's just, this Especially is like a- that top one where it's, like, also partially over top of some white clouds. Yeah. It's just like so unnecessary. It just feels like it. I guess you know a mohawk baseball getting thrown from nowhere because it's not like it's coming from a or getting hit out of a park. But there's no park to be seen. Yeah, it just seems just like such a bad execution on like really a poor idea. Like I don't know. I guess they're trying to get um, you know play out of the recognizable actors. Especially because that top tagline, which just looks like it was tagged on at the end, like it doesn't look like it was ever meant to be in that space. Mm-hmm. It specifically refers to three people, but like 
I don't know if I would have been like like Tom Berenger and Charlie Sheen, yeah, but I don't know if I would have tagged Corbin Burnson as like the third. I would have put like uh, Wesley Snipes there as like the third memorable like yeah, goofball. The, the only thing I can think of is who were the biggest names at the time, and I guess Corbin Burnson. Well, that's what I'm saying. Name. They were obviously trying to push the names, but like as far well, yeah. as the movie is concerned, he oh, doesn't for sure. belong to be next oh, to those uh, other oh, two, absolutely in my not. opinion. Yeah, absolutely not. He's like a B lister compared yeah. to them as far as like hierarchy of interesting characters that you focus on. Well, th- well, I mean, they even play up Wesley Snipes being with Charlie and Tom Berenger throughout the movie as like their little trifecta going mm-hmm. out to dinner and hanging out and stuff. So, but like, yeah, if you're going to go with that baseball imagery, it's not like I hate the Mohawk glasses baseball, but that should be like big in the center. If you're going to have these actors, like they should be smaller down the bottom in the corner somewhere or something. Um, yeah, the logo should be way bigger. The title logo, which is like yeah. a good logo for a baseball comedy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it looks like, you know, the kind of Jersey text. I think there's room to have all three of these elements be so much bigger and still work fine. If they yeah. had to feel like they had to have photos. I mean, I think those could have been bigger with a bigger logo and the baseball, like not off center and small. But It's also weird to me that that tagline that refers to the three pictures is so far from the pictures. Oh, yeah. Because well, like, like you're you up said, here I in think. the corner and it says... When these three oddballs ply to try to play hardball, the result is totally screwball. I even had trouble reading it right there because uh-huh. it's over top of that cloud. Um, it feels like that should be near the picture of the three people. Totally. Like, um, put that underneath Major League instead of a comedy with bats and balls. Like, yeah. why? I don't know. It's just like awful word salad nonsense. Like, if you were going to do that line, why put bats in there? just a comedy right. with balls there's a giant ball Don't. on the poster like <laughs> right that's better because yeah, it I'm... muddies the joke less yeah and seeing this it totally this apps a hundred percent absolutely plays as a parody that's yeah i think the poster based is a off of this poster a hundred percent yeah but yeah just brutal would not get hung up in the theater room yeah this is this is bad yeah and then the Sandlot. Mills. I don't think I've ever seen this image in my life. I was about to say the same thing. As huge <laughs> of a fan as I am yeah. of this movie, I would have guessed or I would have bet that the poster was, I guess, the VHS the v- box. The VHS box with the Where it's like shot. all the kids gathered around in front of a fence and it almost looks like they're lifting Benny up on their shoulders a little mm-hmm. bit. Yep. I've never seen this before. No. I mean, this is like a teaser image, I guess. Like, this is for people who haven't seen the movie, but... I mean, I, yeah, uh, this is the poster. I don't think the other one was ever a poster. No, no, that's VHS. what I'm saying. Like, I'm saying that this, it, it's more like if you haven't seen the film, this is like teasing what the oh, film right, is. Right, right. Whereas if you hadn't seen it, then like the group of kids wouldn't necessarily mean anything mm-hmm. to you. It's not like they're recognizable yeah. faces. But I, uh, I'm i not really a fan of this. I, it's okay conceptually, I guess. It is. It's okay. I mean, it's not bad, this, but it's like it doesn't capture... What every good thing about the movie. Exactly. I feel like this is misrepresenting the film as just a kid's movie. And I don't know if it's just like nostalgic and the fact that I've seen the movie many, many times over many, many years. But like I was saying before, I think that the movie in like an early Pixar kind of way, it rises above being just a kid's movie. 
and this like giant dog paw, it makes it feel like there's an anthropomorphic dog in the movie or something. Right. Like this is Airbud or something. Yeah, it uh this like I can see what they were getting at, but I don't care for this. It's like you said, it's like they're trying to sell what the mo- like a teaser idea of what the movie is. It's clearly not just baseball if there's that giant paw there, but yeah. They're more than a team. They're the best buddies in the entire history of the world. Even that sounds like a tagline for a children's movie. The best buddies in the entire history of the world. Ugh. And then there's another tagline, too, which is hard to read. A piece yeah, of red. paradise, a half block wide and a whole summer long. Which fits with the name The Sandlot more, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, a mouthful, but I like that better. I don't think you need it, but right. it's more indicative of what the film is. I mean, as long as we've been doing this poster segment, it's like there's so many movies with these double taglines that are just awful. <laughs> and it's awful, something I awful. never noticed before we started, like, know. Uh, you know, cr- like critiquing them. Yeah. It's like, why? Who makes these decisions? God damn. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Brutal. Millsy baby. Break it down for the people. Bad News Bears is really good. I, like I said, if you get rid of that tagline at mm-hmm. the top, like you could just take it away and leave a little empty white space up there or like make the logo bigger at the bottom and slide everything up some. Sure. I have I have no problems with it if, if that change is made. Uh, mm-hmm. But. You know, I'll give it a four, uh, four candy bars that uh, Engelberg is uh, pulling out of his pocket while he's running <laughs> to eat, <laughs> and just eating the wrapper along with them. I love it. That was a funny moment too. You couldn't yeah. take the wrapper off first. Amazing. The Sandlot. Is it one star bad? It's no. Conceptually, I get it. It's uh, it's the, just a. Uh, uh, it's got no passion to it. It's a, it's a half-hearted feeling, but yeah, it's fine, but it's not good or great. That dog paw is really weird looking too. Like I would almost think you could think that that's a Sasquatch reaching in or something. Could be Millsy. You don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll give it. Um, we'll give it two insults hurled at the preppy kids by. Mm. Uh, Porter Hamilton. I like it. <laughs> and um, Major League. Give it to him. It has elements that would make for a good poster. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I can give this one a one either because it's got like good things. It's just using them improperly. Yeah, I mean, this is no uh, Hellraiser Bloodline. <laughs> I love that that's always... I knew even before you said it, you were going to say that. Like, I feel like there's definitely been worse posters than even that, but I love that that's your go-to. I mean, it just will always <clears throat> stick stick out to me. Uh, yeah, this one's also going to be a, a two. This is going to be uh, two pieces of fried chicken sacrificed to Jobu oh. before the game. <laughs> you don't have a drink. Jobu's rum. Yes. <laughs> well done. Well done, baby. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, you want mine first, or you want to go? Uh, I'll go first. All right. Um, I think easy decision to say I will. Bad news bears is my burn. 
not a proverbial literal burn. I would not throw this into the sun. It is, uh, there is some enjoyment to have. I did love it growing up. I mean, it's still uh, entertaining um, while still being like tonally quite a bit off for me. But I do own it now because it was a $4 rental or a $5 purchase on iTunes. So I just bought it. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, so that is my burn. Coming down to the other two, um, I love them both just so, so much for different reasons around the same time in my life. But just uh, I'm I'm like pretty good, I think, at like not hedging my decisions with movies like based on nostalgia alone. Like there's plenty of movies where I'm like, oh, I loved this when I was a kid and like, oh, it's pretty brutal nowadays. But these are two movies I could say for like from my childhood that I just have continued to love and continue to think are great. I think it's really it, it would it would feel disingenuous to not say that like the Sandlot is far and away the better movie. So that is my buy. And Major League is my enthusiastic borrow. I mean there will be probably most or, more so for me Major League has like little moments and dialogue and things like that that will always stick out as like some of my favorite of all time, but like I said, it's hard. It would be hard to say that, like, put it stacking that up against Sandlot. Like, the Sandlot is such like a near perfect film in like all aspects that it just has to be the buy. Yeah, the Sandlot is the undeniable winner here. Obviously, mm-hmm. for me, um, mm-hmm. I just love it so much. Yeah, I feel like I can, I can rule out nostalgia when I need to as well. But I mean, it just. It, there's there's no contest here to me. I just, in addition to always personally loving it, I just think it's a really good movie. Right. Coming down to the other two, I have no great connection to either of them, but Mm -hmm. uh, if nothing else, like being a late eighties movie, I, you know, the look and feel and style of comedy that it is, is more my speed than, your average mid seventies comedy. And that's not Mm -hmm. to say that a comedy from the seventies couldn't win out over a eighties or nineties comedy for me, but bad news bears, it has its moments, but it's not super strong for me. Uh, So that's going to be my burn uh, somewhat reluctantly like you and Mm -hmm. uh, major league is going to come out over top of it. uh, Not in a like runaway defeat, but uh, definitely my preferred Nice. borrow category well, look at us so yeah all right good we got High a five, tie friend. game going on here yeah just playing a little catch as friends here you know <clears throat> passing it back mm-hmm. good stuff baby yes indeed oh mills what could possibly happen now uh 237 different things could possibly happen now 237 damn that's a lot of trifectas <laughs> here we go mills one forty six. One forty six. Next episode, the final episode of the season, as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for such children. Oh, I love it. Uh, <laughs> our theme for the final episode of the season is going to be Swab the Poop Deck. Man, we don't even pick these final episodes for each season, but. They just always like feel like they just, <laughs> they just work as final episodes. 
I mean, I, I heard you laughing before I clapped eyes on it, and then I just Man. I saw the word poop, and I couldn't help but chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> and this one's credited oh, to both so of us. I've this never is... seen any of these. Oh, really? Uh, I mean, I've only seen one of them, but, uh, or, you know, I might have seen the second one before. What? I mean, I haven't. If so, it's been a long time. I don't want to say anything too specific, but. If I'm not mistaken, you own the first one. Pretty sure. Yep. <laughs> Even Pretty though you haven't sure. seen it. Right. But then again, I own it too, and I haven't seen it either. So. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. So at least we got that that part. It's all covered. very confusing for the listener, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. This, this is this one is of the uh, instances where we came up with the theme together. Mhm. And I think it's because we were like, we should have. Uh, a, a trio based around this concept and then we were like all right well which movies should be the yeah. three and seemingly could not be any more different between the three no for sure so, much so, excite yeah so uh next time come on back episode 84 is going to be swab the poop deck in the meantime let us know which three movies you think we're going to be swabbing mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> Until then, my name is Ryan Miller. And I'm Joe Daxberger. Forever. That was one of the finest movies I've ever seen. They ought to make them all like that. None of this nonsense about social matters. People don't go to the movies to see how miserable the world is. They go there to eat popcorn and be happy. Be happy, happy, happy.